0: Welcome to Coliseum Classics, presented by No Sold, a wrestling podcast. We're going to travel back in time. We're going to talk about some old school wrestling, which we're all, three of us, very passionate about. Um, We got to talking about um, a project that we could do where we focus more on the old school for our old school listeners. And quite frankly, for ourselves, too, because that's really what we're all about. So joining me, as always, host of No Sold, a wrestling podcast, John. And then we got our roadman, Zern. How's it going, Fels? And we're going we're gonna to talk about uh, WWF at the time, Super
1: Tape. Super Tape, Volume 1. I'm happy to be here. I'm stoked. <clears throat> I do remember us talking about what can we actually get into old school-wise that we haven't visited or revisited in however many years. And the Coliseum videos, the home videos, we kept going back to those. We realized on the network, on Peacock, anyone listening you can actually find everyone that we talk about on there so you can watch along with us if you want for this one it was super tape volume 1 we kind of chose that because it was kind of iconic the cover we would see this one in our west coast video or our you know flea markets or wherever you would find these vhs's back in the day some of them were hard to get your hands on but like i said now with peacock they've released so many and it's just going to be so much fun to go back and just watch this stuff skits and all kinds of uh, compilation, VHSs, profiles. It'll be fun. So I'm I'm excited to be here. That's yeah, I'm all. super excited about doing this. Um, I
2: remember going back to the West Coast stores like you guys talked about before, when you're sick. And just as a child going there, looking at all the covers, it was a... Uh, so doing this is gonna bring back a lot of memories and um, I'm super stoked to be doing it with you guys. It's been decades since I've seen a lot of these videos. So I'm ready to get started with Super Tape. Uh, like you said, the cover, I believe had what the no holds barred cover on it with a beef taking exactly. a Hogan. Right. So mm-hmm. that's, that is an iconic cover for sure. Yeah. This one, I always thought that I
0: saw most of the Coliseum videos, but I actually don't remember this cover at all. You guys do remember this one? Yeah, I do. Yes. Yeah. 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 Like Steel the first cage super was tape like
1: iconic. The scene yeah. The I, cage. I
0: feel like I've seen mm-hmm. that graphic, but not that actual tape before, but anyway, that's even better for me. Like, to go back and watch stuff that I've never seen before, for sure. And um, this will be a good way for the listeners to follow along with us, too. So if you want to check this out again, <clears throat> excuse me, it's WWF Super Tape. It's on Peacock. And uh, we're going to we're going to sort of talk about it, review it, go through it. So come along and enjoy the ride with us.
2: I think it's so pretty the, odd too. I'm sorry. Dude. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think like on the on Peacock, <clears throat> they changed the uh, cover up though, right? Peacock, they have a different cover. They don't have the no holds bar cover. It's just Hogan on the cover. With
0: it's Beac- Hogan, yeah.
2: With just the cage, right. they they knocked out Beefcake and everything else, which was kind of Oh, Okay, I Beefcake was in the yeah. He was in the original
0: cover. <laughs> okay,
1: yeah, it was. So, yeah. Um, sorry, I was just gonna say really fast. Yeah, it, yeah. it, it was. Um, it was easy for us to probably choose this project with the Coliseum videos because we are such old school fans. For anyone listening that's not familiar with these. We do encourage you to, you know, check them out as we review them. Feel free. We're going to announce ahead of time kind of what we're doing the following week. We'll, Duke will hit that at the end. So we'll actually uh, go on this ride together. And we're just curious to know if, if this stuff appeals to you. It's, you know, certainly old school, which is what we love. So I just wanted to say that. It's funny because like
0: you say, old school, but <clears throat> this is like what I grew up on, you know, so. Like when I think old school, I think like 70s stuff, stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's a whole generation of kids listening that you know never saw this stuff. So I think it is interesting to go back. And if you're a pro wrestling fan and you want to know like the history of pro wrestling, this is a good way to do it. So this one starts out with Sean Mooney in the studio with uh very bad audio. Did okay, you guys catch it's that? me? Right? Okay. okay, yeah, because like. John, you're a big audio guy. You're the um, perfectionist. And I was like, John's going to (laughs) definitely notice this one. So we're all fans of Sean Mooney. Again, it's like the background of our childhood. Um, So he starts it off. It's a cool little studio with the Coliseum set up. And the very first segment is a fan's choice sort of segment where the fans write in and vote for a match, which was very cool. Like, I was just thinking, imagine being a kid and like you hear Mr. Perfect saying your name. You know, Matthew so, Mello is a lucky guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Long Beach. Eh? It's also it's, like immortal- so long.
1: it's like immortalized now. It's like, yeah,
0: it is like wow. it's there forever, you know, like imagine being that
1: kid. And like, I mean, Sharon asked be- if I if I did do that, I, I was like, <laughs> I, I don't like, do you guys remember how you would do that back then? I guess it was through the magazine. Probably right, Mike. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah.
2: Unless I Matthew Mello really it, doesn't so. exist, and it was all... Uh... Yeah, it could have been. <laughs> Good
1: chance. Could have been,
0: yeah. So anyway, the the um match that he voted for, that he wanted, was Mr. Perfect taking on rugged Ronnie Garvin. And um, before I kick it to you guys, one thing right off the bat for me was, wow, this is a former AWA world champion against a former NWA world champion, which yeah. is pretty cool, and like... And the WWF, it really shows how big the WWF was because, like, this is just, like, a mid-card match. But, mm-hmm. Zern, I'll start with you. What did you think of, you know, the whole fans' choice thing?
2: Yeah, I love the intro. I love the studio that Sean Mooney was doing, even the color. It kind of reminded me of uh, Mark Henry's suit. I think it was almost <laughs> kind of like this, the same the same color. Come. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, I love the suit. the the audio was a great intro there, and uh, the, the fan favorite thing, I, I liked that a lot, yeah. Um, leading into this match. I was super stoked for this match. I definitely don't remember it at all. Um, Garvin, I don't I don't remember him too much as in the NBA, NWA, I should say. But um, uh, going up against Mr. Perfect, that's what I thought as well. And AWA versus NWA champion, mm. both mid carters at this time. Uh, actually, when this match takes place, uh, Perfect is just getting into his feud with uh, Hulk Hogan. Mm. This is going right before, I think they taped this. Yeah, December 1989. So I think in 1990 oh, okay, is when he yeah. started his, his deal with uh, Hogan. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, I felt like um, seeing uh, Mr. Perfect get introduced by the genius, it, the, the one thing that stood out to me was how uh, the genius introduced him as a future WWF champion. Mm-hmm. And if you were buying stock back then, of like who would be a future WWF champ in 1990, I think Mr. Perfect would probably be guaranteed return on your investment. And it's just crazy still to think he didn't achieve that, you know? Like, yeah, crazy. They were on track, right? Because he was undefeated <clears> here. <throat> yep. And uh, if you really like, put yourself in 1990 mindset, you're like, oh, this guy, he's the next main eventer.
0: For sure. And um, it's funny because like Perfect was always cool. Obviously, he just, I feel like he evolved. You know, he started out just in the trunks in the WWF and then eventually got the singlet. And he just progressively, I mean, I don't know if you guys agree, but for me, he just got cooler and cooler along the way. And, like, it took basically him with Bobby. I was like, this guy is, it's it, you know? Like, because he hadn't won any titles yet. He was still with the Genius. All due respect to the Genius, we love Lanny Poffo, but, like, it's Bobby Heenan, right? Like, the greatest of all time, arguably. So Mr. Perfect would eventually go on. Become the intercontinental champion and join up with Bobby the Brain Heenan, and it is insane to like think that you know he never he never got that title. It's insane, but I mean,
2: it was Hulkamania, brothers. You know, why right. do you think they decided to end his his uh, winning streak? I think like six, well, probably about four months after this match, because at WrestleMania six he lost. Correct. Uh,
1: did he lose six to Beefcake? Was it yeah. it's beefcake? Oh, it's
0: beefcake. like a DQ or something. Is that what it was? I'm thinking so in my it head. I
2: could be, yeah, we, I need some. I thought he got actually got pins. I could be wrong with really? that. Really? Wow. Because I always thought, as a, yeah, going, my hmm. memory serves me as like, why did he lose that match hmm. at WrestleMania 6? Uh, well, the um, real
0: reason is probably because Beefcake is Hogan's buddy.
1: Very good. All goes back <laughs> to Hulk Hogan. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think I he I'm did Paul defeat boss, him. Man.
1: I think he did I'm defeat sorry. him. Um, it doesn't say how and it usually says by pinfall or something. So we're gonna mm. it does it also doesn't say count out. So we'll have to confirm. I'm pretty sure he got pins, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Wow. Okay. Hmm. We should know that. I mean, honestly, that's pretty yeah. sad that we don't. But um, you know, I mean Mr. Perfect, his trajectory was insane. And I, I just like I said, I can't believe he didn't achieve, you know, the ultimate holy grail. But um I do want to ask you guys too, real quick. Um Shivani and Lord Alfred doing the commentary here. Like, I enjoyed Tony in this one because we've talked about other ones where, like, eh, I don't really love Tony in the WWF setting. But this one I liked a lot, and it was weird because 33 years later, he's calling Dynamite, you know? Amazing. I felt the surreal. same thing. Yep. Surreal. real. just wanted to point that out. And you know, know what it, it at... was in
0: the, in the WWF? I felt like Tony did, like, the yuckity thing, you know? Like, oh, Tony Schiavone, like, he was very... I probably overproduced, right? Like, didn't yes, he feel yes. very like plastic
1: Peace. sort of phony? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I agree, especially
2: with that. in this match because they're doing this from the, out in the studios. They're not really live at the uh mm-hmm. the events in this one. But he went uh on his podcast probably a few months ago. He talked about his favorite thing about being in WWF at the time was hanging out with Lord Alpha Hayes. Mm-hmm. That was his that was his running mate, especially when they went over to seas and did the overseas tours because mm-hmm. they would actually do them live um in-house versus coming back to connecticut and doing these you yeah. know in, inside a studio because you can tell the audio and everything For else sure. is just, yeah and it just it feels come weird off, yeah it doesn't come off as genuine so <clears throat> i agree so let's get into this match a little bit what did
0: you guys think overall of the match um shout out real quick to our boy frank who's a big ronnie garvin fan
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: retrospectively but what did you guys think of the match overall were you into it did you think it was good
1: So I actually I was um, pleasantly surprised by this match because I mean I see Ronnie Garvin right and I'm not a big Ron Garvin fan but he's got red and yellow so I already think that's a violation because you know this is Hulk's (laughs) territory don't get that Uh, but I was really pleasantly surprised here Um, just their like false finishes and the crowd was like fall falling for every false finish so they were Mm -hmm. into it and I was I was literally watching it thinking, all right, you know, this will be an easy uh, sort of like semi-ignore, you know, just watching it. But but I, I got invested, and I was like, oh, what's going to happen? So I enjoyed it,
2: surprisingly. That's exactly what I saw when I seen him, his boots. I, I, they were screaming, Hogan. I'm surprised he was allowed <laughs> to actually get away with that. Yeah. Um, definitely <clears throat> a good mid-card match. Uh, overall, I don't know if we're rating these things, but I did rate it a, a 4.5 out of 10 overall. It was a nice back-and-forth match, but. Nice. I didn't I didn't rate it because this
0: is like this tape is very much like a lot of segments and stuff like that, but feel free. I would love to hear your ratings for everything. Um I thought it was yeah, I thought it was fun and uh I think it was cool because there's kind of a trend through this tape. Um you didn't know when it, when the match was over, you know, because um this match ends with just a a roll up reversed by Mr. Perfect. He gets the mm-hmm. trunks, gets that little extra leverage and takes it home. You know, not the perfect plex. So right. kind of showing Ronnie Garvin some love. You know, he didn't get the clean victory. But, um, yeah, I mean, anytime Mr. Perfect's involved, I'm invested. He's one of my all-time top ten top favorites. If you want to check that out, look in the archives of No Sold for our personal top
2: tens. So, um, yeah, overall, I thought it was a solid match. There's also something that I never seen before either when he uh when he popped the uh sleeper hold on the two mm-hmm. when his arm went down for the second and he, and he put it right into a pin instead mm. of just allowing the third, you know. And that that's what they kind of uh they did a good job of categorizing that. That's why he actually lost the match because he would have won. He would have been perfect right. if he would have just allowed the third the arm to go down a third time instead he com- comboed it right into a pin, which yep. I actually I
1: don't remember seeing that before. So Yeah, which yeah, is I, rare, right? Yeah. I um I noticed though that like when perfect grabbed the the tights for extra leverage like the camera kind of couldn't really get it yeah the shot so you were wondering if he did but um yeah perfect winning with the schoolboy was kind of cool I just saw like with Garvin this is probably one of my favorite ronnie garvin matches i've actually watched that i can remember i mean of course it's with kurt hennig but like Mm -hmm. i was like oh this is a good ronnie garvin match and uh he had like an awkward delivery on his punches but i kind of liked them. like he knew how to like lay a punch in there garvin Mm -hmm. was good i mean and you watch him compared to like guys now i mean he's he's snug he's believable which is always Mm -hmm. a thing we struggle with nowadays so I could. this actually the fun part about doing this kind of thing is we're going to go we're going to see stuff we haven't saw in 30 years maybe and we're also going to have a refresher on uh, guys and girls that are like we could just maybe appreciate them more by seeing this unseen stuff this this rare stuff and uh, this made me like Garvin a tinge more after this match.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the punches, um, I don't know if you know, but in the NWA that was actually his finish. It was just a right hand punch. Yeah. Okay. It was called. It was called like the hands of. He was called Hands of Stone, Ronnie Garvin.
1: Right. So right. he would,
0: he kind of did like a leaping type punch, and that's that's mm-hmm. how he ended matches. So that could be why his punches look so good. Like a and then when Superman. He got, yeah. Um. Not so much like the pullback. He would just kind of like. It's hard to explain. Just kind of like jump into it a little okay. bit. But um, he gave Perfect he ended one up... after
1: the after the match uh, because Perfect after you know grabbing the tights he was trying to yeah. bounce out of there. But Garvin yeah. gave him one yep. shot for the road. Okay. Well,
0: yeah, you know he cheated, and it's funny because like you mentioned, you, the camera didn't catch the tights, but you know Tony Schiavone knew, and then when they yeah. replayed it, obviously you know they got the shot of the tights. So fun match. Um, yeah. and after that we go on to a manager profile. With the aforementioned Bobby the Brain Heenan mm-hmm. we're all big fans, John Boy, what'd you think of this one?
1: This was not the best Bobby Heenan segment, and he you, you know it's surprisingly um flat because he's really just kind of going through words he's not giving mm-hmm. his wit his normal wit or like uh his quick um sort of joke jokes and stuff like that. Uh, he, I think at one point he's put some fat jokes about Dusty and Sapphire in there. He's running <laughs> down Hogan, of course. He's running down the whole roster. Um, my opinion of this was not Bobby's most entertaining moment, but anytime I could hear his voice, it still you know, warms my heart. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I felt the same exact way. It was very boring, very flat, uh, very surprised that they – I feel like he didn't get to have any input on us or that. It was like – you know how they used to do these all night long sometimes? It could have been just like a four o'clock in the morning. Let's yeah. get this thing done. He could mm-hmm. have done fifty things before that, and that's it. Came off very flat overall. That's why I mean I gave it a one point five out of ten on that <laughs> segment because it's. I mean yeah. it was very. And I'm never. I don't think I will ever give anything that he does that low. But this is this no, is and and there. we've
0: talked about it in the past. You know when we, you know if we're ra- rating on a WrestleMania scale, yeah. you know the bar set higher, and we hold Bobby in such high esteem. Right. I completely agree with you guys, you know, it was okay. very um because it wasn't rehearsed. I'm sure they were like just, you know, because Bobby's the man like he's just going to pop some funny stuff off. And yeah, besides like the Dusty and Sapphire snubs, I didn't really think anything, you know, much of this segment at all. But like you mentioned, John, it's always nice to hear hear the brain speak. So. For sure. Uh, the next the next segment, we go to a mean gene on the road searching for the bushwhackers um mean gene being hilarious as always oh yeah uh you know selling that he's lost while he's looking for these bushwhackers so uh john why don't you take her from there
1: yeah mean gene out in the middle of nowhere trying to find luke and butch i think the first thing that came to mind was the dedication that wwf used to have to these segments like to off-site segments vignettes whatever you want to call them which is lacking in today's day but um it's not that they were like probably super cost efficient like with lighting and whatever effects and stuff but it's the time and attention that they put into like building characters and depth that they don't do now and it's just these little things the bushwhackers were never one of my favorite teams but seeing Mean and gene out there and like you get to know the the i guess uh, the nuances of the bushwhackers characters I thought it was like just eye opening. That damn, they don't do anything like this now. That's the first thing mm-hmm. I was thinking, you know.
2: How about you? Yeah. yeah, this segment, um, unlike the first segment, I actually remember this just because of how silly it was, right? And I remember this pro the, the whole entire profile, not so much the matches, but him and Mean Gene, all three of the you know skits that they did. So, you know, he's reading the wrong map and calls the play to place a toilet, and you know, it was hilarious. So it was a good little setup for three matches that we're about to see yeah so
0: um the setup is eventually they're gonna get into a match with the Bolsheviks and did you guys notice you know back in the 80s and early 90s of course if you were from a foreign country you know the USA fans (laughs) just automatically hated you that's what the WWF uh, basically told us so one thing I found interesting you know these guys are from New Zealand yeah so it's like All right, so how are we going to get the US fans to accept these guys? And the first thing that they say is, you know, we had to fight the Bolsheviks because they were putting down our friends in the United States. And I'm like, yeah, Mm -hmm. there you go. That's how you get a a foreign team over. You know, what's funny is too, if you guys aren't aware, I know you two are, but for the listeners that aren't aware, uh, the Bushwhackers were actually like evil villains earlier in their career before they arrived to the WWF. They were known as the sheep herders and I mean these guys would bleed buckets and they were kind of doing hardcore stuff before it was a thing so if you haven't checked that out definitely do that it's just weird to see these guys become these like lovable characters you know that are kind of become household names and fan favorites when you think about it people doing the the bushwhacker march and stuff like that but anyway so then we get into a match with the Bolsheviks, the evil Russians. And uh, Mike, what'd you think of this one?
2: It was definitely sloppy and chaotic <laughs> for sure. Um, which is really uh, one thing that I didn't realize. Uh, well, they, they announced that this is their first TV appearance, but I didn't, I didn't really believe them. So I looked into it. and This was their first TV appearance and just two months prior to this, they were on a uh, WCW and a tag team tournament for the U S tag team. And they mm-hmm. were supposed to win the whole thing. Um, and they decided, I guess Vince called him up, gave him more money. And so just two months prior to this, there were three months prior to this. They were still the heels, not the heels that you were talking about, the bloody ones, mm-hmm. but they're still heels in WCW going for them belts. Uh, mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, but as far as the match there, it was definitely sloppy and chaotic for sure. <laughs> overall. So uh, a usual about,
0: bushwhacker match.
2: Yeah. What'd you think about, uh, hearing, uh, Ron Trongard's, uh, his voice.
1: I did was going to bring him? it. Yeah, I was going to actually bring that up to you guys because I personally I had to look him up because Um, I knew I I, obviously Hillbilly Jim's in there, Lord Alfred Hayes. And I'm like, who is who is this guy? I found that was Rod Rod Trongard. Uh, I actually kind of liked him. Like, I think he had good energy. Uh, What was his background? Who is he? He was the main one of the main announcers for AWA. Oh, for for years.
2: And I think he might have been with him for almost a decade. I do remember him from AWA. Obviously, not at this time. Um, Retrospect, yeah. But, um, yeah. And he was only here for a couple months. Mm -hmm. I did not even realize he was in WWE until, you know, until watching
1: this. And I was like, Ron Trongard. I haven't heard that name in a long time. And Yeah, I I, I liked it. I thought it was, like, better than, you know, anyone in the modern day, any company. I liked his energy. And I thought he was... I wanted to add bring up real quick on Duke's point about the sheep herders um and and going transforming into like the silly brain dead bushwhackers basically. Mm-hmm. It's another example of Vince taking guys who were one thing and totally transforming them into another mm-hmm. but it ends up working. You know, yeah. it's it, like okay, the old man was right, like Vince was right for whatever reason. Whether, you know, whether you're a bushwhackers fan or not, there were a lot of bushwhackers fans when I was kid a kid. I wasn't one of them, but um you know, I just hey Vince, give. It, I thought something weird about this match though, like a small detail, because it is kind of a slow, boring, not boring, but it's just a messy match. It's a good way to put it. But um, the fighting, they started like kind of fighting each other in the midst of the match, kind of like what we would see later on the Hollies, Bob and Crash, the fighting cousins. They were already doing this back then. With is this like, is this trope or whatever? Was that been done before? Do you know any other fighting teammates? Because I couldn't think of any like that kind of gimmick or whatever fighting teammates or family members
0: not besides the hollies i don't think so. we're actually
1: going to get into two of them later
2: on in this tape there's a one team that word I'll, I'll bring that up later oh, on but okay i okay. didn't know that until the time at the time but uh i think the hollies that's the only thing i can
0: think of as well yeah i kind of remember dudes would like hit each other get each other like fired up type of thing i can't Recall exactly who right now, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's definitely something different, you know. Hey man, if nothing else, the Bushwhackers were certainly different, right?
1: Exactly. So after uh, Lord the, Al- so Lord Alfred, not to cut you off, but Lord Alfred called them one go. of the most exciting tag teams ever during that match. Yeah, well, An he's a stupid quote. liar. Did you hear the attendance <laughs> on this thing too? That
2: they said twenty three thousand
1: at a house uh, show. Were they hanging wow. off the rafters? Twenty three thousand, of course. Sold out, pro- out brother.
2: I had to cross-reference that thing, and there, there, it was the truth. I couldn't believe that. that oh, was, really? Yeah. Now there was where was, was where right was there.
1: this? Which which town?
2: This is the only one out of all of them because the uh, that I don't know the actual location. I didn't get the oh, actual no. location. Like the first match was in Tennessee um, okay. between um, Garvin and Perfect. This location, mm. I didn't, I didn't get the location on it.
0: Maybe it was okay. uh, Rio de Janeiro.
2: Right. Good, good point. That'll be
0: the lost, the lost one. Good point. Yeah, so eventually the bushwhackers would end up taking the victory. Um, one thing real quick, I just always notice like how big Nikolai Volkov is, like just a big man, just a mountain of a man. Um, but yep. So the bushwhackers take it. I believe they win with the big battering ram at the end. Is that what they? Is that how they won? Did and this one did. Yep. So. If you didn't have enough bushwhackers, guys, we're going to head back to the old bushwhacker ranch where uh, mean gene's still there, with bushwhackers. Um, Mike, what'd you rate that match by the way? Before we move on,
2: 1.8 out
1: of 10. Oof. Oof.
0: All right, the uh, wow. the scale is uh, WrestleMania. I see
1: <laughs> teetering on uh, this is a Coliseum right, so... scale.
0: <laughs> We go back to, you know, the Bushwhackers. Did you guys want to discuss any more of this little in-between segment before we move on to the next match?
1: No, no, I just want to point out, I guess, with this with this wrestler profile, you know, as they would do on Coliseum Video, you would get like a trio or a couple of matches in a row. So I knew right away when we went to this wrestler profile, I would get ready because I would have a few Bushwhackers matches to come.
2: Did
0: you get yourself a nice glass of wine? Because that's what I should have done.
2: You know what's... <laughs> You know what's odd, too? The three matches that they chose, they had two other matches in this time frame. One against the Rujos and one against the uh, Brain Busters that I end up watching. Mm. that were actually solid matches. Yeah, well, and they chose these, at, these matches. Look at the opponents, right? Yeah, and yeah. they chose these so, matches. So I don't... Yeah. yeah.
0: This next match was very interesting, though, because I never knew about this team. I don't know if you guys did. So in their next match, the Bushwhackers take on the brooklyn brawler formerly known as steve lombardi and that old
2: bad news brown
0: did you guys ever know that they teamed
2: Mike? i did no. know. i did not know that's this is the yellow team i was telling you about that uh, would end up fighting each other mm-hmm. like hitting each other cuz they i was just in tongue in cheek cuz they only had a 3 week run so mm. it was this match and the match before this whatever wanted to know it was against hillbilly jim and get this the blue blazer Wow. Mm, and I went back and I actually, yeah, I actually went back and watched that match. It's a, it's available out there on
1: YouTube. Uh, Hill, was, uh, uh, Hill Blazers. Hill Blazers. <laughs> yeah. How'd you know? The Hill
2: Blazers. Yep. Yeah. But uh, yeah, then after this match here, they, they would uh, end up having a one on one match to settle a score. Okay. <laughs> Ridiculous. I mean, See, I'm thing.
0: assuming that this was probably Bad News Brown on the way out because like when you're exactly. teaming with the Brooklyn Brawler,
2: like the, you know what's uh, funny? The writings on the wall, right? This is right before yeah. this is actually still one year before he fights Piper at WrestleMania six. Is it really? This is June fifth, sure. nineteen June fifth, nineteen eighty-nine. Yep. Holy wow. smokes. Yep. June fifth, wow. nineteen eighty
1: nine. I was gonna say once you get thrown in a random tag team with a partner, that, that once you're yeah. in that phase, it's like you're usually at the beginning of the end but um yeah. interesting they gave him one last like chad gave you know, sur- right one last surge for bad news i guess in the piper feud but um hmm. i want to ask you guys cuz you know steve lombardi the lifer employee the loyal lifer employee um, 100% you know it, he was like the enhancement town he's like one of the the top 3 or 4 guys people you know the job guys or whatever but um he was you know he was good you know in his shtick he was he was really a a good I guess you could say um, like just workhorse type of guy they could throw him out there with anyone Mm -hmm. because I've seen him in previous stuff in like the mid 80s 85 86 he was wearing trunks at the time and like he he you know I just give him a lot of credit he was probably a local New York kid that really wanted this dream and I think he's immortalized too for better or worse like kind of like the bushwhackers you know he's silly but he's iconic in a weird way
0: i completely agree i completely agree with you like when brett um you know brett was talking fairly recently brett the hitman heart i call him (laughs) brett because we're close um when he was talking recently about like goldberg's hall of fame induction he was mentioning how like some other guys should be put in i think he mentioned barry horowitz okay and i'm like is that crazy because like I mean, when you think about guys, enhancement talent are like you mentioned, they're iconic, man. Like Barry Horowitz, Steve Lombardi, like the Brooklyn Brawler. Like there's just certain guys that Dwayne you know, Gill would
1: be Gilbert. Dwayne
0: Gill, yeah. I mean, I think Dwayne Gill to a little a lesser degree. For sure. But Barry Horowitz. Just a Gilbert
1: thing. Lombardi, but yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, but I think just as far as enhancement talent, when you think of enhancement talent, those are kind of the two guys, you know, and like they were good, you know, and like it's almost kind of like a curse when you're that guy that's reliable, you know, so like, oh, OK, Dolph Ziggler, right? Like there's a new guy that comes in. Oh, we'll put him with Dolph like they had Dolph go in the NXT to, you know, put guys over. And um, when um when the guy I'm sorry, I'm forgetting his name. um. The model dude. What's his name? With the selfie thing.
1: Oh, HMALS in theory.
0: Now, video game guy. Mike, you know I'm talking about. Sean Mm -hmm. Spears' buddy. Sean Spears' buddy, NXT. Nope. He had the selfie stick. Tyler Breeze. Tyler Breeze. Yeah. Tyler Breeze was that in NXT. Flatbacks. Flatbacks. Like whenever there was a new guy in NXT, I would put him with Tyler Tyler Breeze. Sorry. Yep. Right. Um, Right. And, like, I remember when they – and Thunder Liger came over. Oh, we'll put him with Tyler Breeze, you know? So yep. it's almost like a curse when you're that guy. But, like you said, they are kind of immortalized, you know? They're, they're names among pro wrestling fans. Like, if you're an old-school wrestling fan, you probably know Barry Horowitz and the Broken Brawlers. So I yep. agree with you, John Boy.
1: Also, Mike, I wanted the... to my... – oh, yeah, go uh, ahead, Mike. Yeah, something... No, I was just going to say if they
2: um... – feeding off that, if they went to a lesser territory at the time too especially barry horowitz they would be like the top draw you know i'm trying to say like uh Mm -hmm. not nwa but like an independent show at the time sure they would be you know at a top draw versus a guy even even mike sharp you know iron Mike sharp at the time too like guys like that um versus versus a gilberg not really so much he was just like a gimmick i think that's Mm -hmm. what duke was getting at these other guys could like legit work And legit Mm. fight the heavyweights and stuff like that. But um... yeah.
0: And like to your point about that, like Coco Beware, a mid card guy, right? He goes Mm -hmm. to the USWA that Jerry Lawler owns or runs and he's USWA world champion. Right. You know, so Mm -hmm. I agree. But, you know, Vince knew that he can rely on these guys. And like you said, John Boy, like a lifelong dream. Good for him, man. And he had, who would have known he would have a decades long career with the WWE? So good for him. Yep, and then absolutely. behind the
1: scenes i mean like we talk about hall of fame guys we've debated you know terry taylor or whatever mm-hmm. hey man steve lombardi had a a nice run as a backstage guy i mean whatever his jobs were i'm sure he had a zillion titles they yep. were, you know but anyway i just res- I, I respect him and no, he's super nice guy i met him he's i nice. agree
0: dude like if they announced you know next next year in philly if they announced a brooklyn brawler I would not say a word negative about that, you know, Yeah. because you need guys like that. You do.
1: Exactly. I also wanted to ask you guys um, before we move on to, you know, to the next thing, um, Shivani and Lord Alpha were doing the commentary again, and I come to find as I got older that they do this commentary in the studio after the match had already been recorded. And it's disappointing to find out as it was like, just like they were in front of a green screen, you know, you come to find out. These things, when you're a kid, it's just like, oh, they weren't live calling this match. They're mm-hmm. they're probably yeah. in the studio watching this match back, and it's um, it's weird. It was also another thing. There, remember when we found out that um, do you remember how they used to interview WWF like superstars in the locker rooms yeah. backstage? Those lockers are are gimmick lockers. They're not even real lockers. They're, they're like this thin, you know, about six, six by six inches, and um, they were just a set. You know, it wasn't even a locker room. Sorry to spoil the uh the match. Yeah, that's, that blew uh, my mind when we found that out.
0: That's the genius of Vince once again, man.
2: Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just uh before we go into the next seven, I um my my rating on this one's at one point six. So it's a little bit higher than the last one, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wanted you <laughs> to much. talk
0: a little bit about the match, though, Ernie. I was gonna kick it over to because I do want to mm. you know let us know how it ended and what you gave the rating.
2: Yeah, I mean, th- the match was probably I think around five minutes long. And, uh, bad news was on the apron a lot of the time, not paying attention to him, planting that seed that the breakup was happening. Um, <laughs> like I said, no, big, nothing, big breakup. yeah, a big breakup. Yeah, I mean, nothing big happened during the match. It was not as boring and sloppy as the previous match, but like I said, it, and it was actually a lot shorter, half, half the time frame too, which made mm-hmm. it better because the first match was 10 minutes long and this was five minutes long, so yeah, yeah, that's I mean, that's like I said, 1.6 out of 10. It was nothing real sloppy. Nothing nothing to talk about really much.
0: Bushwhackers pick up a... the win again, of course. Yep. It is, a, it is a segment all about the Bushwhackers. So then after this one, we head back one more time to the Bushwhacker Ranch. Uh, they do some more with Gene, cooking up some uh, Bushwhacker buzzard, having mm-hmm. a nice snack. And then uh, we're going to head into a big one here against yep. these – These powers of pain, the Warlord and the Barbarian, who I always thought were very cool. I mean, I understand, you know, blatant ripoff of the Road Warriors, the Legion of Doom, whatever, but they were two big, bad ass dudes. And uh, I always thought they were cool. What do you guys think of the powers of pain?
1: I uh, was definitely intimidated by them as a kid. I've seen their trading cards or, you know, seeing them on Wrestling Challenge or whatever. I, I was legit, I guess, sort of like just afraid of of especially Barbarian because uh, mm-hmm. he had like a menacing look. And uh, it's funny because I, just, I went to see a buddy of ours at Qu- in Quakertown like a, a month or so ago before WrestleMania. He was wrestling there in Quaker Town and Barbarian was there in the main event at the ripe age of like 60 something years old, you know? <laughs> and then a week and he's in Quakertown in front of well I don't know, a hundred people. And then I go to LA the next week to see WrestleMania, and there was a signing, and there's Barbarian in Los Angeles wow. doing a signing. It's like from one extreme to another, you know, like Quakertown mm-hmm. to LA, and um, just him doing his thing still. Uh, I also saw in the actual um like the convention center they had rented out for the WWE Superstore for WrestleMania weekend. They had like Latino heat, like the the low rider. They had Miss Elizabeth's gear. They had the barbarians shoulders, like one of about 10 10 things only in there. And it was the barbarians. So I only bring that up because um, Hogan worked with them. He, you know, I'm ranting, but I think barbarian and then the warlord in another way, they were cool as shit, I think.
0: Yeah, I agree. And yeah, the Barbarian big... is well-respected too, like among for his sure. peers, you know, and yeah. uh, like he was a guy that would kind of stick around in like battle royals in the old NWA, mm-hmm. like um mm-hmm. the bunkhouse stampedes and stuff. I think he was a reliable dude, you know? Go ahead, Zern, sorry.
2: Yeah, I was just going to say what you said. I was I, mean, I was a fan of them in the NWA for sure. And when they came over here, I was actually really, really hyped um, for that. They're in a demolition feud there. But um, when I seen that they were mm-hmm. fighting powers of pain, I'm like at least – yeah, Lisa. I was actually excited to watch this match versus mm-hmm. the other two matches there. Yeah, the Powers of Pain
0: didn't last too long in the WWF. Um, I mean, eventually they got the real thing, right? The Road Warriors came, right? Pretty shortly after. So, I mean, I guess they were like, "All right, well, we're gonna get the real thing now." So, you guys are gonna fight the Bushwhackers now.
2: Yeah, mm. they would split so up and get... do their singles runs. Yeah,
0: yeah. Let's get into the uh, the match itself. You know, because. Mm-hmm. The Bushwhackers are technicians, probably a top. They're (laughs) probably both, you know, Bushwhacker, Luke and Butch, Mm -hmm. probably in the top 10 singles of all time. So, John, what would you think of the match? Very technically sound or?
1: Uh, Well, I had Gorilla and Lord Alfred on commentary. That always helps hearing Gorilla's voice. I mean, my all-time favorite, I think, up there, you know, with Vince. But um, Mm -hmm. I feel like the, the match was... I was I was I was interested in the aesthetics of it. It was very dark, so I had to go and look up where where the hell is this? Like where is this taking oh. place? So it was in the Toronto Maple Leaf Gardens. Yeah. Um big, you know, big I guess uh, arena and whatnot, but it was um a dark match. I actually liked I liked it I never saw it before. I don't remember seeing it. So yeah. powers of pain like I mentioned are cool and of, of the 3 this was my favorite, if there's a such thing, um, but mm-hmm. still the Bushwhackers. I mean, spoiler, they got the win. This was by DQ. DQ so yeah. three for th- three for three for the Bushwhackers. Um, so I enjoyed the match in a, um, I guess, like sort of a nostalgic way. Yeah, that's how exactly how it
2: um, What did I give it here? 2.8 out of 10, which is basically oh, wow. a full point. That's a full point higher than climbing ice, up. So. Yeah, climbing up the ladder there, so.
1: Yep. Yeah, can yeah, I ask nice- you guys uh, uh, yeah. sorry, go ahead, Mike. about no, the match. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna ask you guys because like they mentioned how the stacked the tag division was in this match. Gorilla and Lord Alfred were saying, Oh my god, this tag division so stacked. And um people say that about today's AEW a little bit. Like they'll say, Oh, the AEW tag's so great and WWE's is so thin or whatever. But I wanted to ask you guys because um like this was a time, can we rattle off some of these tag teams here? Like we had the Rougeos, right? the Bush. Barely. Whackers.
2: Barely the Rougeos, because this is right after WrestleMania. What date was this? October 8th, 1989. So, this is after 5. And this is right before Survivor Series. So, the, I don't... The Rougeos might be on their way out. You got okay. a breakup of Strike Forces broken up at this point, because they break mm-hmm. up at 5. So, you got uh, the Colossal Connection coming into it soon. Demolition. Mm-hmm. Powers of Pain. Heart Foundation. Heart Foundation the Bolsheviks Rockers.
1: the Rockers. Rockers the uh the Orion Expressers
2: Are they are the Brainbusters here
0: at this time they're gone okay
1: yep well and, you named about 5 there and I was just trying to say for anyone listening that like yeah. watches Modern wrestling hasn't been familiar with these you know 80s or 90s but like these tag divisions were legitimately stacked you can't just say you know cuz AEW's trying but then again they have Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett like two guys mm. that are thrown together fighting, for, and it's supposed to be a stacked tag division. Mm. That's kind of off topic. but I actually, you know. like,
0: I actually like that tag team.
2: Yeah, I don't know if this is actually stacked at this point, to be honest with you. The six teams that is named off, minus Hart Foundation. I think Hart Foundation, Rockers, and Demolition. Demolition, that's about it, yeah. I mean, oh, what, three of the best ever? That's
1: pretty stacked.
2: Yeah, that's three, but it's not like it's running 10 deep, like a top 10 that they would have in their magazine. Well, Bad the News
1: and uh, Steve Lombardi. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were probably oh, eighth on the
2: top 10 list in the magazine that month. Yeah, it's right. not like their strongest. Their strongest was probably like
0: late 80s. Remember those like Survivor Series tag yeah, team matches? It was just like you Man. couldn't oh believe yep. the amount of talent. Like, you know, Killer 20 guys, yeah, like on the ring apron. But yep. anyway, you know, shout out to the Bushwhackers. Um, one thing that made me very sad because these guys look like old men is that they were actually my age at this time. <laughs> And I don't know if I should be sad or happy that I don't look like that, but I digress. I mean, well, I Gorilla
1: don't... at one point in the match uh, was counting how many combined teeth they had between the two of them. <laughs> so at least you're rocking them all. all. The, uh, yeah, at least you're all. rocking them all. Yeah. Also, fans used to cheer the winner, DQ or not. It's just interesting. Now they would boo if there's a DQ, but back then yeah. they cheered the Bushwhackers even though they won by DQ. They wanted the bushwhackers
0: to get that winner's purse, you know. Yep. They could go buy some more bushwhacker buzzards and make some food. Camo. That's enough bushwhackers for me.
2: How about I'm not you? gonna talk about the transformation of Bean Gene. Go for it, pal. <laughs> no. Because I'm I good. want you to rate it too. Give <laughs> yeah, the rating it. for. <laughs> I did actually rate all three of them segments together. Yeah, as as one. So yeah. So I gave
0: overall, it all... you gave it
2: what, like a two out of ten, if you average all those out. All three. All all three of the mean gene segments i gave a a 2 2.2 2 out of 10 and then the matches wow. were in, individually individually so roughly rated. like a 2 right yeah overall yeah something like so that so
0: Bushwhackers, yeah. 2 out of 10 they are a hall of fame tag team right this wwf is correct. hall Where's of fame tag team for this sure correct. um it's funny john like you mentioned cuz kids love them but like i just never Mm-mm. i didn't get it man even uh-huh. back then, we were cool guy and stuff, you know? We were edgelords even back in 1990. So weird. So then we move on, and we go back to the studio with Lord Alfred Hayes. Yeah. We do a uh, a nice little rocker segment here, which I know uh, you guys are excited for, to see your boy, old HBK. Shout out to Frank. Frank, check this segment out. It's got your uh, your stamp all over it. We're going to talk mm. about some shocking moves here with the rockers. John, boy, what do you think of this one?
1: Call of the action. I had seen this segment on Tuesday Night Titans a lot before, you know, recently, and um, it was literally a way for Lord Alfred Hayes, uh, to break down maneuvers for the layman to let you know exactly what they're doing. And honestly, <clears throat> I thought it was cool. I mean it was yep. it was a different spin cuz it was still being presented as more of a uh, i guess serious thing back then right now everybody's mm-hmm. in on the 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 inside we all know it's a a work brother and it's you know choreographed and we're just out there to put on a show and all that stuff but back then it was very serious and i appreciated that but um besides breaking down the moves in detail i just the rockers were such trendsetters and trailblazers the way mm-hmm. they moved the way they worked and janetti in particular much like Christian or a lot of other guys in tag teams often overlooked. Janetti was so damn crisp and so damn good in my opinion. Yeah. This was actually my favorite, favorite segment of all, everything on the tape. I
2: I mean, I loved Mm, it. Wow. I thought it was very old school. Even when he said like these moves have been around for like a, you know, a hundred years, but they're still being used today. And he was Mm. just breaking them down. Like I thought it was so cool. This is, I I don't remember this on Tuesday night Titan, so, it was new new for me, even I haven't seen him in a long time. Yeah, so. I thought
0: it was cool how like they mentioned, I don't know if it was in this segment, but mm-hmm. um they were like, you know, sometimes you have to wear the opponent down where you use like yeah. a sleeper hold or whatever. You know, <laughs> I thought that was cool, like you mentioned, John, like putting a more serious spin on it, I guess, you know. Um, it's funny that you say trendsetters about the Rockers because um they were basically like a copy of the rock and roll express as the but, but I'm, I'm gonna, I'm going somewhere with this. They became their own thing. Just like, you know, demolition. They were a ripoff of, of the Legion of doom, the road warriors, Mm -hmm. you know, with the paint and the spikes and the black and blah, blah, blah. But they made their own thing, you know, and the rockers did too. Um, The rock and roll express, 100% innovators. Ricky Morton was doing Frankensteiners in 1984 but the Rockers were doing stuff, too, that you didn't see, man. And like you mentioned, very crisp, very solid. I mean, you could see it from a mile away that Shawn Michaels was a star. I remember my friend Mike Fideco, rest in peace, Mike, um, being the Rockers. We would wear, like, bandanas on our wrists, and we would fight pillows, and we would, like, argue about who got to be Shawn Michaels, you know? So, for sure, Marty Janetti, stud, you know, good hand. Bret Hart also has put him over in the past. Um, might have heard of Bret Hart before. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's always a pleasure to see the Rockers. Crazy to think they never won the World Wrestling Federation tag team titles. That's crazy to me.
1: Nah, not officially. Um, yeah, I think that was a cool little segment, though. They, you know, Lord Alfred also broke down Snook's splash, which mm-hmm. I thought was um it was just all it was so fun to see wrestling presented so. Serious back then, and just it really it was classy, you know. Like it was like real,
0: yeah. Plus, you got you know Lord Alfred Hayes, you know. Speaking of classy, you know. Mm. So then we head back to the studio, that beautiful Coliseum studio, with Lord Alfred Hayes and Sean Mooney, and they get us into another match with two Hall of Famers. I believe both of these gentlemen are in the Hall of Fame, right? Yes, sir. Correct. Okay. So we're going to head over. It's two guys that would eventually, well, Tito, Tito Santana, former World Wrestling Federation intercontinental champion, taking on a young up-and-coming in the WWF, ravishing Rick Rude. So two former IC champions. Um, we're all big Rick Rude fans. Respect to Tito Santana 100%. We all have nothing but good words to say about Tito, but I know that Rude is probably in all three of our top lists somewhere. Mm-hmm. so um for sure in frank's i believe was he in frank's top 10 or did he just miss that no
1: Ravish. he was in his 10 i'm i I'm almost positive
0: okay yes yeah. yeah. so there you go uh, yeah. obviously we're all big fans of ravishing rick root it's always a pleasure so who wants to start this one off
2: yeah, just getting back to that last segment i didn't get my rating on mm-hmm. that one i was uh, oh sure Detroit, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 5.2 on that segment so wow the Lord help it hey segment yeah highest rated uh, segment so, far yeah. so um, far, yeah. Just going briefly into this match here, um, I was wondering when it took place, and this is right before uh, WrestleMania five, yeah, five, when he fought the Warrior. Right before then, um, okay. I at... So was Rude Intercontinental
0: Champion already, and he lost to the Warrior Man?
2: No, no, this is no, in this... February, right? This okay, is February so Warrior '89, yeah.
0: Okay, so he beats Warrior for his first title. Correct okay
2: yeah correct yeah i remember There's how lo- that ended yeah with bobby holding the leg down i was yes, there sure. no big deal
1: <laughs> nice there you go name and drop going, it
2: going back into uh seeing what show it was i actually put the i found the whole entire show it was like one of them you know prism shows that they had it mm-hmm. and rude actually puts over tito in a pre pre-match interview which they don't show on this tape yeah actually oh, wow. was kind of weird putting him over how he's like you know a top guy and he's a former ic champion not to be taken too lightly so that was pretty cool to see that part of it
1: so he wasn't like super cocky arrogant yet
2: he was up until he was but when they mentioned uh who was interviewing him sean mooney interviewing him that when they start talking about tito that's when he like he put him over prior to that he was he was cocky but yeah he he definitely put him over prior to which is pretty cool um little notes i have here i noticed that Tito was still wearing the um uh strike force Strike Force, you know why? Because this is before mania. That's why this is in February. February. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's still with Strike Force at the time. So yeah, Rick Roots getting ready to uh, win at IC Strat. Tito's ready mm-hmm. to basically get into no no man's land right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's about to break up with Martell. Um, yeah, we got a uh... yeah.
1: I was gonna say, uh, this is this is the same commentary team from earlier, right? I believe this was uh another match called by um Rod T- Trongard. It's not the same because Hillbilly wasn't on there, but it's oh, not my yeah. But it's two out of
2: Real three. Real quick, hold yeah. on one second. We have a continuity issue. Yeah, because if this is
0: before WrestleMania five, when if you remember the Bobby Heenan segment, he yeah. talks about Rick Martel and he says he has a brand new fragrance out. It's arrogance. It smells blah blah blah. So, and WrestleMania wait, five, he no right here on this tape. Bobby Heenan earlier, you know the
2: segment. Yes, he mentions that Rick Martell. Oh, or... you know why? Because why? a lot of these matches, believe it or not, are not from the same era. They're from. They're like a
1: year earlier or seven. A months year and earlier.
2: a half. A year and a half of them. Sometimes. Okay. So when yeah. Super
1: yeah. Tape was released, Martell had that fragrance out uh, by then. Correct. But yes. it, yeah, this okay. match, in particular, was from February of '89, which was a bit before. So right, makes, uh, right after your
2: birthday, good. yeah, February 11th. Okay. Yeah.
1: Look at that um can i i just want to say like tito the mechanic was like a good go-to guy for a good match i feel like in all these compilation tapes or anything you're watching from these 80s if tito's on there you're probably going to get one of the best you know technical matches on the Mm -hmm. card or on the tape or on the whatever and i i think this was interesting because there were a lot of rest holds santana was fighting from underneath and um rude was in peak shape i feel like he was just so shredded and whatnot but um Yeah, I mean, Joey Morell, the ref, I had to circle that. You know, it was cool. You had just a nice little dose of nostalgia again. But um, this one, it's interesting. This was such a slow pace. It was about 16 minutes long. But it does pick up, and you start to see, man, these guys really can move whenever they wanted to. They're just really, like, hell-bent on slowing it down Mm -hmm. and making you wait for that final crescendo or whatever you want to call it.
0: Well, like they say, you know, in pro wrestling all the time, just because you can do it doesn't mean you should, you know, right. and I think pacing is a lost art. There's you can count them now, I think, on one hand in current pro wrestling who, you know, wrestles that old school pace, you know, and um, yeah, I mean, Tito Santana, he might not be on everybody's favorite list, but you definitely have to give him his flowers when you talk about like once again great hands, you know, um, solid technicians. One thing that I noticed in the match, um, his application of the figure four was just tremendous. I mean, just flawless and seamless. I just really, I was really impressed by that. Once again, a guy that, you know, when you watch him in the moment, he's just another guy, let's be honest, you know, because you got all these like, superheroes and cartoon characters basically these guys that are larger than life and then you have just you know a guy that's just a good hand but i think as you grow up and you see you go back and you watch this stuff you definitely find a new appreciation for these guys and Tito's one
2: of them absolutely Mike, yeah i also you, uh... oh, i was just
1: gonna i was just gonna say uh if you want to you know rude cheating to get the win as far as uh the finish mm-hmm. there like I said, it went 16 minutes, and Santana was going for the sunset flip, rude countered, held the ropes like a heel would do. Um, I I just, you know, I think it went a bit long, but the last five minutes or or so, very good. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, this was probably like an intermission match, match right
1: before the intermission at the house
2: show, you know how he would go. So I think this probably was I – mean, they were t- traditionally like 15 to 18 minutes long at that time, two, two mid-card guys. Um, or it could have been the main event because Hogan could have won an intermission. This could have been the main event everybody's mm. seen for all True, we know. I yeah. don't know. I'm not sure, but uh, yeah, it was slow pace, but it was very um, fitting for that 88 to 91 era Hell Showish slow pace. They don't want everything like to be you know high flying or any of that stuff. There was a lot of mat work. I had it at a 5.2 out of 10. Oh, Okay, mm. that's a mm.
0: good,
2: that's a solid number. Rude Once fan. again, are you a root fan? <laughs>
1: <laughs> What's that? Are you a Rick Root fan? Uh, that right yeah.
2: He was <laughs> his number nine, not not uh, what I think number eight or nine in my top ten. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, another cool thing too about this match, just like the Mister Perfect versus uh, Ronnie Garvin match, you didn't know when it was going to end. Like he didn't hit the Root Awakening, you know. Right. Um, mm-hmm. it was the big uh, sunset flip, and he held the ropes, and which is also kind of a um a precursor to how he would win the IC title, kind of like a similar you know, sort of deal near the ropes, gets held down sort of thing. So once again, always a pleasure to watch both of these guys. Like you mentioned, John, if Tito's on the tape, he's going to be one or two best matches usually win yeah. or lose.
2: Absolutely. That's what these matches would be for too, to work on your stuff, right? Stuff that's upcoming, work yeah. your moves out because that on national TV. So that's a lot of things you'll see on these house shows. You'll be seeing that, like the, you know, like you said, at WrestleMania or, you know, Survivor Series upcoming.
0: I don't want to go like too far into this, but why do you guys think that Tito just sort of, I mean, hell of a career, mm-hmm. right? Like he's one title away from being a triple crown winner. He's a former intercontinental champion, former tag team champion. Why do you guys think that he never, you know, made it to
2: the top? I mean, I definitely think he's just probably too bland mm-hmm. overall is his personality looking into him. He was promised according to him. He was promised a heavyweight, title at least match around wrestlemania 9 8 little after wrestlemania 8 whoever i guess would have been with with uh from a macho man had i guess what yoko zuno maybe or maybe with macho man i'm not sure um when he was El matador and he said that that he he, his words that gimmick should have made me a main event star Hmm. so that's that's in his words i don't think that at all i mean i think that was actually worse than what he was doing before Mm-hmm. Uh, he did work hard at it, but it wasn't nothing for me. So mm-hmm. I just think his personality wasn't there. And, um, but I, I still enjoyed him in strike force. I enjoyed him in K-Man Connection. I enjoyed him in his early IC run. Even later on when Raw would come on, he, he was in Raw the early years, like, you know, Al mm-hmm. Matador fighting Shawn Michaels and stuff like that. So he was, uh, I remember him teaming with like Virgil. Yeah. like mm-hmm. on, And I was like, oh man, WrestleMania eight. WrestleMania 8 they had that big eight man or four on four. He, him, Virgil, Bossman, yeah. So, I know. I, mean, I
0: remember him being in a tag team with Virgil. Like, oh, like a permanent tag goals. team. Yeah, and I was like, oh, that's probably not good for you, Tito. Oh yeah. No. So, John, I, what do you I, think? Why didn't he make that ascension?
1: A couple reasons, I think. One, the kiss of death. Usually, nice guy, like mm-hmm. a, a nice gentleman. Um, I'll get to my other reason in a minute, but I want to say that he had such a nice storied, decorated career that um, the WWF title or whatever, I guess that not happening shouldn't, I guess probably shouldn't take away from the fact that, I mean, he debuted and became tag champ right away. We're talking 1979, 1980. And then the IC title reign all through 83 to 86. He was winning that title before WWF was in, you know, all the, you know, magazines and it was, pop culture he was doing his thing as like the mechanic the work rate guy and then vince kept him around i think um as a loyal employee he was like that go-to guy we mentioned earlier he was a good go-to yep. guy um but my other reason would be we had a conversation earlier nakamura like the accent now mm-hmm. obviously tito was speaking good english but there was something about um maybe the way he delivered is is it bland or is it just he's has a different way to speaking than people were used to back then that slight little mm. tinge on the accent might have been enough for him to not, you know, because th- this Pedro did it. Pedro Morales was champion, but this was before like I said, we were in pop culture. So maybe yeah. it was just, uh, not the all American boy they wanted, you know, in that world title picture.
0: Do you guys think that it was because he was, there was such a far distance between like him and guys like Hulk Hogan and the ultimate warrior as far as like the character work and the mic skills. Like, do you think that, you know, in another time, could he have been a champion? So like back in the day, right? Like, cause I personally like all due respect to Pedro Morales. I think Tito Santana was better than Pedro Morales.
1: Mm-hmm. Same.
0: Um. So right. like, would he have maybe succeeded in a different time? Do you think? Or.
2: Yeah. 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 yeah maybe sure. 10 years. A, and it's kind of, Yeah. Yeah. Cause look at Bob Backlund. He had, I mean, no personality at the time. Yeah. And I mean, and he had, a,
1: he had the belt for how long? So
0: yeah. Back when wrestling counted, I guess. Right.
1: And Tito was a great wrestler. And I do yep, think there is sure really like, just to wrap it up with Tito. Um, I think there's something to be said about just being known for being a great intercontinental champion and mid card guy. Like I would take that claim, you know, like Absolutely. um, I think Tito is one of the first guys I think of like that you know the mid card where do i worry even an opening card and remember he had that thing with uh, the survivor series when it was warrior hogan and i think tito was the third man with that survivor survival team so they did think of him enough to just but not all the way like so i just i'm not once again man but
0: no yeah but no i mean we're just we're being honest and looking back retrospectively and being like man the guy was good you know and I think, you know, once again, the work rate guy, I think he was in that match so he could do the work for, yeah. you know, the two superstars. Right. But anyway, yeah. shout out to mm-hmm. Tito Santana and Ravishing Rick Rude. And, and he a-
2: got his uh, he was in the cartoon as well. So he got his like that cartoon that they had. So yep. he was in that with Hogan, which is a big deal. Like he made the yeah. cut on that. At- his, yes. his figure was popular back in the day. So mm-hmm. they, they put that behind him. So back, I mean, at that time, that was that was huge. So Yeah, and that, I'm, I yeah. I don't mean to demean his career by any
1: means. No, He's yeah, a we're, we're not. To
0: me, 100%. I'm Absolutely. just wondering, like, why he couldn't take that next step. That's all. Yep. Anyway, we'll have a Tito Santana retrospective on the mm-hmm. Solar Wrestling Podcast. Check that I out. I would. So we're going to go now into another match with two Hall of Famers, one of John Boy's top 10 wrestlers of all time that's true as jake the snake roberts takes on that million dollar man ted dibiase might get Mm-mm-mm. us into this one
2: well um, i
1: know i was gonna say really quick before you jump in this was uh correct me if i'm wrong right after wrestlemania 5
2: that is correct april 24th 1989
1: at msg yep okay at madison square garden yep nice yeah, so what you think um
2: uh, this is one of my favorite matches on the whole entire tape for sure. Um, believe it or not, I actually seen this match at the Spectrum like at that time. Oh, wow, like that, that was the same exact uh, same exact finish. Yep, that was the loop. I seen this match yeah, in Philly, yeah. So it was cool. Probably Man, could have been the day before, for all I know, right? I don't know because uh, there it was in MSG. So to me, it brought back a lot of memories of being there and um, and this whole match. So I, I had it as my top match. I think my top match of the whole entire card. So, but you can talk more about it. I'll give my rating later.
1: No, I was gonna say there's this this feud in general is underrated because we usually go Jake, Mach, DiBiase. Mm-hmm. Who do you guys think of with DiBiase first?
0: Mach mean for me.
1: Okay, Mach again. Yeah. Um, or like maybe Dusty. I'm not sure, but I don't usually go to Jake yeah. and DiBiase. But this because it wasn't, I guess, marquee. They didn't blow it off in mm-hmm. a big pay per view. But yeah. they did mix it up a lot in this era. And I think it's an underrated feud because you have two different personalities. You got the rich guy and then, <clears> you know, Jake, who was more uh, unpredictable or whatever. Um, so right off the bat, I was like, man, these are chemistry. Like these two guys together, they could have put this on a WrestleMania. And we might be talking about it as one of the all-time great WrestleMania matches if they did, you know. Absolutely. I mean,
0: these are two... You know, I was talking to you guys. I think I texted you guys about it. They recently did a biography of Jake the Snake. And I just don't think enough is said about his his pro wrestling, his wrestling ability, his storytelling. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. listen, man, I know the guy had a rough life, but, like, can we focus on the good of this man's story? Like, he was so good, man. And, like, DiBiase, forget about it. Like, the dude's an all-time <laughs> great. He's He's just unbelievably good this is a guy that I always knew was good like I liked him back in the day but when I watch him retrospectively and I've watched a lot of Ted DiBiase you know as far as like old mid-south stuff UWF etc I mean these are two guys that had the whole thing man they had the look they could talk and they could work and Jake had like three moves but it's not all about the moves It's the intent behind the moves, you know. So, like, Mm -hmm. I'm not surprised that you're not that you're blown away by this feud because, yeah, it's two of the greatest storytellers in the history of the business. So, Mike, give us give us some input. Sorry, John, but go ahead. uh,
1: Not good, John. uh, I was just gonna say um, it. It's it makes me kind of mad when I watch this because Randy Orton Edge go down the list triple h these guys are 10 12 14 time champions and it's like yeah. million dollar man ted dibiase and jake but let's go million dollar man here we should probably be talking about him as like a top five all-time goat if he was in a different era or if he was given as much i guess um you hmm. know because how long was his run here because he had already done his mid-south thing how long how long was million dollar man's like wrestling run in wwf do you know like four to eight WrestleMania, WrestleMania four. WrestleMania,
2: Eight, uh, I'm sorry, to nine. To nine.
1: Money as a wrestler.
2: Mm-hmm. As a singles so, wrestler, singles wrestler, though, four to seven. Because eight, eight and nine were tagged. So four or five. So we we're talk
1: five years tops as a wrestler. Yeah. And, you know, I'm yeah. probably. So it's just like, look at, you know, Orton's 20 year career. Edge, yeah. all, I'm only bringing them up because they come to mind. They have so many world title rings. It just kind of makes me mad. Mate. Like, man, Million Dollar Man was so good. Like you said, dude, the, the mm-hmm. look, the, the work, and the, the talking. And in this, he carries Jake to such a great, exciting finish and a great, like, exciting match. And Jake did, like, kind of, like, go up a level to try to match Million Dollar Man, I noticed in this, as far as his, like, quickness. And, um, you know, he wasn't the Jake we would come to see later on who was a little slower.
0: He had to work more in this match, you know. Um, We don't want to spoil the finish just yet, but even the finish, you know. When did you ever see Jake do those moves at the end? Right, I exactly. I can't remember him ever doing those, you know? But once again, I thought that was a cool thing about this tape. You never knew when the end was because it wasn't just like a finisher out of
2: nowhere, you know? Go ahead, sir. So, yeah, now, I'm trying to rack my brain here thinking, who did he fight at WrestleMania mm-hmm. six? For some reason, all my WrestleMania knowledge is That's what I'm thinking, yeah. No, no, Jake no.
0: Roberts. Oh, Jake fought...
2: Wrestlemania six because uh because uh DiBiase fought uh Dusty
1: DiBiase fought Dusty at six Jake Roberts would have been um actually he would have fought DiBiase here but it was a count out so that's that's my bad. it was built to this so it was right after Wrestlemania they were continuing the loop I guess it's just the fact that it was the million dollar title it was a count out it does it doesn't stand out as like a a great mm-hmm. iconic match because of the countout finish, I guess. So, because they, they didn't go with this finish at WrestleMania, obviously. No, they did not. Know. Which
2: would have been way cooler. And this mm. was a year before they they would fight because they fought at WrestleMania six, which is 1990. Oh, this right. This is April 24th. So they're from what I read, they fought like the whole entire year on the loop. They had like one mm-hmm. of them, uh, like the matches of the years on it, like in the Wrestle after magazines or something like that, you know? like the oh, feud wow. of the year that you don't see on TV. So they worked almost a whole entire year on the all for that WrestleMania six match was very forgettable.
1: Yeah. See, yeah. that's my bad. That's my bad. We, even...
2: we literally forgot. it. That's why I was sitting there thinking, I'm like, yeah. when, you, when you kicked it to me, I'm like, wait, that they fought at WrestleMania six. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yes, um,
1: yeah, absolutely right. Yeah. That's my bad. But I mean, it's, it is, it, the finish was different and it was not, it wasn't as, um, at that time it wasn't the same, I guess. Um, Jake wasn't as like uh, quick and agile in that WrestleMania six match as this house show match at Madison Square Garden. You know he
2: yeah. yeah a lot could have happened that, in that, that year yeah so
1: yeah you
0: know I'm a weirdo and I only, I always notice uh, ring attire. Did you guys like Jake's pants?
1: Yeah, I always like those the, uh... ones. Mm-hmm.
0: Did it have like? Did he have like snakes as hair? They're multicolored yeah. 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 Were they, okay. Yeah. I thought they were snakes. Mm. It was like Jake as Medusa. It
1: was pretty cool. Right. Right.
0: This was actually, uh, this was my favorite match on the tape. Um, it's probably just, I'm sure because I'm such a fan of both of these guys. Um, yeah. they're both up there for me. I'm sure probably top 20 if I were to put them on paper. Um, Jake, once again, watch his stuff, man. Sometimes, Sometimes you can just tell stories. You don't gotta do 40 moves. Sometimes you can just tell stories and it works. And he yep. is one of the best
2: storytellers in the history of pro wrestling. Absolutely. That uh, Lord Alfred Hayes had a little bit of an uncomfortable moment. I don't know if you guys caught that in this match. Did you? Was I that with the photographer outside? Or he uh he called, called uh Virgil his the ma- his master.
0: Oh my God, did yeah. he? I didn't even hear that. Yeah, because yeah. you better
2: go listen to your master. Yeah, it was very awful. Oh, man. Yeah, that's listen. awful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, that was very uncomfortable at the time. I was, I'm surprised they actually let that onto the network. I thought they would cut
1: that. Oh, no, no. Right they out. miss stuff. These guys, dude, I've noticed a lot of stuff they miss um, yeah. on the network, but especially the old 80s stuff. But um, yeah, Lord Alfred on the commentary here. It was, uh, it was Shivani and Lord Alfred, right? Yeah, it
0: was. was Shivani.
1: Uh, Shivani and Lord Alfred, Yep. yep.
2: Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. So it ends with, um, a nice little sequence at the end, and Jake uh, actually rolls up the million dollar man with the schoolboy and pins yeah. him clean. I was kind of surprised by that, actually. Because, right. uh, you know, the million dollar man, like a year out of being in the main event for fighting for the World Wrestling Federation title, I was kind of surprised, pleasantly surprised. I don't care who wins, I love both of these guys, but I thought it was definitely a cool finish. I would have loved to see the DDT, obviously. Nobody did it like Jake, but. I did think it was cool. Once again, it's kind of a trend of this tape where the winds yep. just come out of nowhere. You know, you never know what's going to happen. Right. So Jake rolls him up, gets the big victory. Um, he kind of gets Pearl Harbored from behind the quote guerrilla monsoon. He gets taken out. Jake's on the outside. He eventually is able to grab Damien. Uh, they try to flee, but he grabs poor Virgil, puts Virgil in the in the ring, and uh Jake sends the crowd home happy as he puts damien all over Virgil and yep. uh great great segment. What'd you rate it?
2: mike I gave that a 5.9 out of 10, which was uh 2 wow. points that uh, point uh 2 tenths of a point higher than the Rick Rune match.
0: All right, so so far highest rated, right? Correct. Yep. All right.
1: Yeah, I loved it as well. Uh just so enjoyable. We'll have to talk more about, you know, both of those guys as these Coliseum video releases, um, you know, as we continue on with that, because they're going to appear a lot in these older ones. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'll have a lot more to say about Jake and and Million Dollar Man, both, especially, you know, once we get into Diviase's vignettes and stuff like that, that are going to appear on here and the stuff with Virgil and all that good stuff.
0: Absolutely. So then we're going to head back to the studio. We're going to head back and Um, tony shivani and sean mooney they do a little segment called fans across the world and they talk to fans all about different stuff tony shivani's out there asking them questions what's on their mind hogan or warrior etc once again i mean to be one of these kids that they interview to be immortalized on coliseum video would have been so awesome. What did you guys I think? Thought of this I thought
1: I I thought I saw you running by in the background in your acid wash jeans, you know. I wish, uh, brother. No, nah, I I wish too. I, this is this segment was, you know, fun. I mean, mm-hmm. I I like this kind of stuff, WWF or not. Like I love seeing like the style of these kids back then mm-hmm. and just how everybody talked and looked. It was definitely a more wholesome time because kids now would be like way too cool for everything, you know. Oh yeah, but for enjoyed. sure what'd you think mike um unlike the last
2: uh in in the studio <clears throat> segment the call the action I, I thought this was a little bit of a clunker i mm-hmm. um not as much as the bobby one but a little mm-hmm. bit of a clunker yeah i yeah i gave it a 2.2 2 out of 10 i mean it wasn't wasn't much for me i I was hoping for i mean shivani didn't really his flow even in the studio wasn't too good and then cutting out the, <laughs> it was fun but it wasn't it yeah. was nothing special yeah while we're on the subject of fans
0: something that totally slipped my mind did you guys notice the super fan vladimir on this oh yeah
1: absolutely yeah what
0: what was he in i forget
1: i think it's in the final match isn't it
0: oh is it okay
1: yeah maybe that was that
0: was a main match okay i think it's i just i it it clicked with me um i did want to give vladimir the (laughs) shout out
1: i want to say though during that um fans across the world segment. What I mm-hmm. loved was they were interviewing these fans in the arena during these like house shows or whatever. And they were like interviewing them in the, uh, in the hallways or the vestibules or whatever. And you could sometimes see the merch stand behind them. And mm-hmm. you could see like the whole rules tank top or the warriors neon bright, you know, fanny pack or whatever they were selling back then the posters and um, man, like imagine getting your hands on some of that stuff now, like, mm-hmm. It's just like a, go- a holy grail of all the merch they were selling back then, and it was cool. It was just cool, like to see how excited fans were for, you know, this time, that golden era, the golden years. They, these people, these guys and girls, like got to literally. You did too, Duke. You went to WrestleMania five, and you went to the house shows. Like I was a little later. I was like ninety three is my first show I ever mm-hmm. went to, so I didn't get to see all that merch at my stand. You know, yeah. I didn't see all that. It's cool though
0: yeah i had the hulk um foam finger i definitely had a jake the snake shirt i remember i was super excited about that i had this shirt that i'm wearing right now the purple macho man shirt nice i had that um back in the day for sure um it's funny I, those are like the only two shirts that i remember which is kind of interesting because i was such a hulk maniac but i guess mm-hmm. i never got a hulkster shirt
2: yeah i've never i never had a wrestling t-shirt ever <laughs> Until oh, I really? A, back in the day? I, wow. I, never. I don't ever remember buying any merchandise as a kid. I guess because it was, yeah, you know, it might have been too expensive. I just was lucky enough to be there at the time, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, I had an awesome
0: godfather.
2: There you go. Yeah. Who <laughs>
0: took me to WrestleMania Five and spoiled the crap out of me? Shout there out to go. Mike Flywater, one of the best humans I know. And that's why I got that stuff. So after that, we move back to the ring. It's going to be Canada's greatest athlete, Iron mm. Mike Sharp taking on a debuting
2: Mm -hmm.
0: tugboat who is uh well known for being the shock master in wcw infamously known for one of the worst botches in the history of the business (laughs) but i thought it was interesting here because when he first came out he was known as tugboat thomas not just that old tugboat Mm. so um john i know you're a huge tugboat guy So, um, he's actually family with your, one of your favorites, Cody Rhodes. So why don't Mm -hmm. you talk a little bit about this debuting tugboat, Thomas
1: uncle, uh, uncle Fred, uncle Fred. Fred. So he's taking on Mike Sharp, who we mentioned earlier, which, you know, another enhancement guy, you can kind of say enhancement at this point, iconic enhancement guy tugboat. Um, as a kid, I thought he looked ridiculous. I thought (laughs) I had a thing with anyone who would wear like, you know non-wrestling gear even as a kid it was always like sort of distracting this is one of the cases where it's like bro what are you wearing out there you know he's Mm -hmm. literally looking like a sailor boy um you know the the thing about tugboat i i come to find through bruce pritchard's podcast is before slaughter was going to fight him at wrestlemania 7 in the main event as the iraqi sympathizer they were gearing up towards a tugboat heel turn yeah to take on hulk in the main event at wrestlemania seven uh i don't think he would have been a sympathizer or anything like that but he was just gonna be yeah. a heel and yeah. um i watch him here and i'm just like man vince you know the vince and these big guys like he clearly had plans for <laughs> this guy and yeah. um i just never saw it in uncle fred uh if you know look hulk, probably a great guy fun loving guy but um I mean, what can you say? The big splash. He got the three count, two minutes and twenty-five seconds. Spoiler alert: not like a bad athlete for a big man, honestly. Yeah. But um, yeah, his whole shtick with the tugboat, the the horn, and the, the, all yeah. that. Not a fan.
0: And we talked about um Vince McMahon's commentary previously. And uh, did you notice who was doing commentary on this one?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Vince, so he could tell his story. You know,
1: I do respect um, that.
0: Yeah. So uh, and eventually, you know, he goes on to become Typhoon and I thought the natural disasters were cool, you know. So once again, he just had to find his place. He's not he doesn't belong in the main event or as this like killer heel, you know, just look at. The he guy. got a lot He's of just... height on that uh, splash, though, I got to say. He did. That... No, good athlete. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you can be a good athlete, but it doesn't mean that you belong in the main event. And like you said, <laughs> exactly. Vince was just Vince was obsessed with these big guys, you know, yep. Mike, what would you think of the match?
2: I thought it was real cool coming out. I've never heard of Tugboat Thomas before. I don't know if you guys yeah. had prior to that. that was cool, and be, even before that, when Sean Mooney was in the studio, I think they called the segment from the magazine article or something like that,
1: and from the pages of WWF magazine. Yeah, that mm-hmm. was really
2: cool, and Bossman was on the cover like that. Leading into it, that was really cool. From there, it kind of went downhill. But I mean, it was it was, a, <laughs> it was a solid debut match. I mean, it was on Superstars at the time. That's why Vince was calling it. So we got a live, actual live call at the time, which is good, mm-hmm. versus a studio call. Like we've been all these other matches have been studio calls. So, yeah, I gave it a a two point eight out of ten. And once again, like it was two minutes,
0: right? Like it didn't take up too much time, yeah. which right. is nice, you know. Like that one, um, the Bushwhackers Bolsheviks. What'd you say? It was like ten minutes or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I think, you know, and once again, to Vince's credit, he knows what this guy's capable of. Right. Give him two minutes, go in, get your shit in and get out kid, you know? So I think it's funny
1: um, that Vince, even back then, because people complain like ad nauseum now about everything, you know, Vince related. And it's like, Oh my God, he's shortening his name. He's changing his name. Here's another, he did it here too. Like he's always had, he's been the same Vince, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, yeah. Tugboat Thomas? No, let's take that Thomas off. He's just a tugboat. You know, same thing. Yeah, I think
0: I don't know. I think he was like tug Thomas or something. I feel like I saw him like in the GWF or something, or maybe I saw like a fake guy or something. I don't know. Like a fake tugboat. But anyway. Mm. Um there there is a
2: fake, there is a fake tugboat. Is there a uh, fake tugboat? I remember me and John talking about this before because Bruce brought it up and then he, I sent you videos from it before. There is a fake tugboat, though. Okay, yeah. that totally might be
0: what I'm thinking yeah, of. Yeah. All right. So then we go back to the studio, and they're going to set up this this huge main event now. This mm. big cage match, featuring the Hulkster Hulk Hogan, teaming with Brutus the Barber Beefcake, to take on the Macho King, Randy Savage, and Zeus. For those that don't know. Zeus was an actor named Tiny Lester. Uh, he appeared in one of my favorite comedies, Friday. If you haven't checked that out, do so if you're 18 or older, of course. Um, <laughs> so this this all came out of um, a movie, John Boy.
1: It sure did. One of Mike, one of your favorite movies uh, as a youngster, would you say?
2: Absolutely. With Stan Hansen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was great.
1: Yeah. We just talked about this, right? And we did, yeah it was called no holds barred yeah i just wanted to make sure you were listening um yeah. <laughs> the no to no holds barred um I, honestly like i didn't understand what came first because like when i was a kid i'm like wait is is zeus a wrestler that became an actor or is it mm-hmm. so it took me a minute to figure that all out but um yeah with sensational queen sherry out there do yeah, not yeah, forget that doing no, great RIP work RIP as sherry. usual but I, I just want to say, like, you kick it back to Sean Mooney. You got the WWF logo, the most beautiful logo ever. Then you go Hulk and Beefcake coming out in that iconic, like, Hulk rules shirt. Hogan sporting the Wayne Deagle title. Then you got the big blue steel cage. It's just like, I think Earl's the ref. It's like all mm-hmm. the greatest things about the WWF yeah. are coming up here, you know? And then you got you the know. Macho King, and it's just. It's so good already. You know, all this stuff yeah. is just so damn good and fun. Yeah.
2: And to quote Bruce Pritchard, then the bell rang and, <laughs> and uh, not yeah. much after that happened. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, wasn't it so like glaring, like having the superstars logo in the back? It was just taped on superstars or no wrestling challenge. I mean, wrestling challenge. Challenge,
1: Yeah. Challenge. Yeah, wrestling challenge.
2: I mean, this is a big pay-per-view match like that. They charge money for. At mm-hmm. the time, they mm-hmm. advertised the heck out of it. They taped it almost a month prior to airing it, and they put it on challenge. They couldn't even take the logo, the the flag down. That yeah. was so glaring. Like I don't know why they did that. It makes
1: the makes everything feel not important to me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I see I that, about that. It's a guys. small detail. Yeah, I, I I'm with you. If you're gonna charge for the pay per view, it's a broadcast on pay per view. But yeah, you have got the wrestling challenge thing up there. I mean, it's an eyesore, but. I don't know, man. you think then the bell rang and you're just, you're out on it? Like you weren't, you didn't like this match? It was really short and people complain about Brock
2: Lesnar matches. How long was this match? I mean, this match wasn't too much longer than a Brock Lesnar match. And you got four. I Ford think it was Eisenhower nine right. minutes. Nine minutes. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think the counterpoint to that would be
0: Brock Lesnar has been wrestling for 20 years and Zeus wrestled two <laughs> matches. Yeah. 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 This was his, this was his so, last
2: appearance in the WWE. Yeah. Wwf, I should mm-hmm. say, yeah. So, yeah, yeah I, didn't, I mean, I didn't enjoy it.
0: Yeah, I mean, and these aren't any of your guys that you like, besides Macho, right? Zern, so that could be it too. You're not a Hulkamaniac like myself. John Boy's coming around a little bit in his age. He's finally that palate is finally developing. You know, he's starting to appreciate the finer things. I think. So um, true. yeah, I agree. Not a great match. Um, certainly. I don't think anyone would say besides Macho Man that any of these guys are like great technicians or anything like that, but I'm with you, John Boyd, just as far as the aesthetics go, um, and it's our childhood, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's that comfort factor, once again, like that big blue cage, that WWF logo, like, you know, that winged eagle title, the red and yellow, you know? um, One thing I thought was funny was when they came out, Hogan and Beefcake, Hogan ripped and the shirt off a of beefcake kind of like he did with uh mr t i believe back in the day mm-hmm, so yeah. i thought that was a funny little thing but um you know eventually nothing great to see here i think the big match feel maybe was there yeah but um uh eventually hogan had it it took him three leg drops to take out the big monster zeus so hulkster surprise surprise gets that win after the three leg drops so, um, anything else you want to add to this one, John Boy?
1: I just want to say how Macho Man was obviously naturally going to be the guy doing the work in there, but of course he, you know, he was taking the bumps, getting thrown into the cage. He was die, you know, he was climbing the one climbing the cage, and really adding that like element of um, athleticism, really, and mm-hmm. just doing the great work. And I think the, the one thing uh, about Zeus is like as big as he was and all, and like we talk about uh bad bunny recently backlash and Logan Paul like he was big but he wasn't re- like he was pretty coordinated i think like he was he was pretty good as a, a celebrity involvement i think for wrestling
0: yeah i mean especially with his limited you know what do you have two matches or something mhm i mean i feel like he was ridiculous you know the stuff that he did like smacking sure. his chest and i remember those weird noises but yeah i'm with you i don't think he he looked more coordinated to me than, like, the great Kali or something. Exactly, get it. did look like he was falling over his own feet or anything like that. And he was certainly a big dude. And so, he looked like, cool. You... Yeah, for sure. And, like, so, like, there was that threat to Hulkamania. You know, I remember he, um, what, he twisted his neck, right? And, like, I remember mm-hmm. being a kid and be like, oh, my God, he just broke Hogan's neck, you know? So, yeah. I don't know. I still enjoyed it for the sheer, you know, like you said, the aesthetics and stuff like that. Yeah, I think I I'm hard too. on
2: it too because it's like I love that movie as a kid, mm-hmm. and I remember when this came out. It was like 1995, the Vrenel or something like that. And I had to wait for it. Probably, I probably seen it on this. Is how I actually seen it live, not live, but when it you know for the first time. Mm-hmm. And to go from the movie to go to this, like, why wasn't it 18 minutes? Why was it nine minutes and some odd seconds? Like, mm-hmm. it took longer to put that cage up than than the match. So what steel cage match lasts nine minutes with four men in there?
1: Well, right. you, you got to think, um, also you got to have time for Hogan to pose. So you got to oh, a lot yeah. that into the yeah. whole, time. Uh, I mean, that-
0: I think like you mentioned, John, like macho, man, he definitely could have done 15 minutes of bumping around for those guys for sure. So like, who knows? I mean, obviously the guy's a novice in there, Zeus, they were protecting him and they were protecting Vince was protecting his assets, quite frankly, I'm sure. Um, I'm with you. It like if if it's like this huge main event, it probably should have been longer. But um, I don't know. I get it. The guy's a novice. He's in there for a couple minutes. You know, good job, Zeus. I,
1: I was fine with the time of it, to believe it or not, yeah. because like much differently than the uh, Tito Santana and Rick Rude match, a little bit slower. We got 16 minutes and change there. This was nine and change, and it was kind of action packed. Like it was a nonstop kind of brawl, and um, it was entertaining i this was probably probably my favorite match on the show honest on the Mm. on the vhs tape because you get it all man you got sherry out there doing her great work you got dave or i I don't remember which one it was um i just loved you know it felt big time and i think
0: how much was the plastic surgery brother (laughs) i love that line so much
1: Exactly. Yeah, we don't I know enjoyed, if it was Dave
0: it. or Earl. You know, he could have got the plastic surgery. It could have been a fake ref at this time. We don't know.
1: Right. Exactly.
2: But yeah, Mike, I give us it.
0: give us to it straight. Give it to us straight. Give uh, us a I rating it
2: here four point five out of ten.
0: All right, okay. that's reasonable. I thought you might go lower than
2: that because you're uh no, if you're it, no- like I said, if there wasn't the wrestling challenge, like I, I can't believe like John, you don't think that's, like ridiculous like i hear you and i think I this is the first you. match that they actually taped on that challenge because bruce pritchard they have a whole episode on this and i think that's mm-hmm. like that's just i don't know maybe i just know too much about it and then i'm watching it you know what i mean not just no, watching that's, it. that's it's like fresh that's
1: mind you know? so like you're a broadcast
0: fair. journalist you know like
2: we respect this
0: <laughs> this is why i want to say
1: though um cards. do you guys remember when uh, we reviewed Halloween Havoc 97 and Macho mm-hmm. Man. I think it was, uh, was that the one when Mach dove off the top of the cage? Yeah, yes, yep, and mm-hmm. it was in, an insane bump because it was way yeah. too high. Uh, yep. he, he did it here too. Again, he dove off the top of the cage, but actually landed the double axe handle. But I just want to mm-hmm. say about Mach for like, we don't talk, I mean, we always talk about Mach, is what I was going to say, and how great <laughs> he was. But like as big as he was, and kind of as a body, like he was athletic, and and he could fly. And I don't know if there's anyone that has the whole package like him. Like, I couldn't think of someone that has like, because he'd be a big guy in today's day. Technically, well, Kurt Angle used
2: to used to do always. I mean, he's the same size as Mach. He used to do. You think Kurt I mean, was as big as Mach?
1: Absolutely, yeah.
2: Hmm. yeah look it what up i mean
1: you, what about the veins and all coming you gotta out to ask Mach's frank neck?
2: you gotta ask frank frank will tell you yeah
0: yeah right he's the uh, size macho man was actually only 5.8
1: five, 8. <laughs> five yeah. feet eight, inches. Five and eight. no so, anyway i just uh, want to point Andre out that dive that dive off the top one more shout out to Mach.
0: yeah we never talk about macho man Randy savage at all here so definitely give mm-hmm. him his flowers yeah number two on my all-time favorite list be sure to check that out in the archives Right. So that was the end of the Super Tape. We're going to head back to Sean Mooney. He wraps it up for us. He puts mm-hmm. a nice little bow on it from the uh, the Coliseum um, studio, I suppose. And then uh, we're going to set up for the next one. So what do you guys think overall? How'd you enjoy WWF Super Tape Volume 1?
1: Overall, so this was a slow start for me. Uh, I shouldn't say that the perfect. And Ronnie Garvin thing was a nice, I guess you could say palate cleanser. It was like, all right, this is a good match. But then the Bushwhackers um, profile, the superstar profile <laughs> kind of sent it down a, you know, a little bit darker path for me as far as like a, my attention span, although I watched mm-hmm. it and I, and I did, you know, enjoy it for what it was. Once we got back on track with the, uh, the other matches, especially Jake and DiBiase and then this main event and all the mm-hmm. off-site stuff with like the fans. I actually enjoyed that stuff. Um, so I'm going to actually do like a, it's to mix it up on this Coliseum classics. I was thinking I'm going to do like a uh, grade school scale, a to F um, or F minus sometimes maybe, but for this show, I'm going to give it a nice solid C plus super Tate volume one C plus plus. didn't hate it didn't love it i don't know if that's uh you know fair you know a fair score with the uh, c plus but i put it right in that area what about you mike i
2: definitely like the segment ideas for sure throughout the whole entire but the execution wasn't there um overall i think a lot like minus the lord alfred Hayes one the other ones fell flat for me um so i gave it a 3.79 out of 10 that's what everything averaged out to be
0: all right so okay. you guys are probably around the same then,
2: right? He might
1: be around a D if we're gonna I don't go know, man. To we're back to this
2: uh these uh, extension <laughs> these extension of uh, ratings again with I'm the just going to grade the school day. here. It's throwing me yeah. off,
1: man. I know so I, I hit you with a curveball.
0: I guess I'll rate it on pickles.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, we're back to this <laughs> again, again. This, is, here we this go. is
0: totally this is one hundred percent for Ed, one of our most loyal listeners. Mm-hmm. Out of five total pickles, I would give it a two out of five pickles there you go Mm -hmm. definitely enjoyable stuff i'm with you john like as soon as the bushwhacker segment came on like you start looking at your phone or whatever you know what i mean it just it takes you out of it but i am a broadcast journalist so i i stuck with it Mm -hmm. i watched everything i did really enjoy like the actual matches um jake and million dollar men obviously rude and tito and then uh i enjoyed mr perfect and ronnie garvin so I mean, I think it's going to be, they're only going to get better. We're just going to see more and more old school stuff. Um, You guys can check this out on Peacock. Um, just go in the search engine because quite frankly, since they moved to the Peacock, that WWE network is awful in my opinion. But just type in super tape. You'll see it there with the Hulkster. He's in front of the cage, right? Yes. That's the graphic. Yeah. So you guys can check that out. You can watch along. And we're going to give you a little insight as to what we're going to watch next. So you guys listening now, you can watch it. And then when we review it, you can review it with us. Leave it in the comments and let us know what you thought. Be sure to check out the super tape. Drop it in the comments. Let us know what your favorite match was. Um, So for the next one, it's going to be the villains of the squared circle. So you can find this on Peacock. We're going to be doing this weekly, just like No Sold, a wrestling podcast with our host, John Boy, that you see right there, our roadman, Zern, our boy, Frank. Um, do you guys have anything else before we wrap
2: up? No, one thing I wanted to ask you guys, what like expectation-wise going into this, because it's been a while since you guys watched this, right? What were your expectations going into this, Tate? Like just looking at the cover, And, like, Mm -hmm. not knowing any of the matches, because I I don't know any of the matches that any of these tapes were watching. Like, I completely forgot all of them. Um, So what were your expectations going into it? And where they met? Well, for me,
0: I was thinking maybe I would get, like, a three out of five pickles, if we're on the pickle rating. (laughs) Um, For hair extensions, like, out of seven, I figured, like, five out of Uh, seven. (laughs) You know, like, slightly above average, you know? Um, Because I'm old school, man, and, like, Mm. You know, that's just what – that's my childhood. That's all my good memories, you know. I'm an 80s mm-hmm. kid, so I thought that I would enjoy it more than I did. I enjoyed it, um, but, you know, there was some – like you mentioned, Mike, there were some stinkers here, you know. Mm-hmm. But I'm um, definitely looking forward to this, um, to watching all those Coliseum, you know, yeah, home sure. videos. And uh, like you guys mentioned, that we used to pick up at West Coast Video or wherever – Whatever video store was around you guys. So, mm-hmm. what do? you, How about you, John?
1: Uh, yeah. So seeing the cover and knowing we were gonna do this one first, Super Tape, I was thinking I was gonna see matches that were, you know, rare, you know, or um, unseen matches, and we were gonna get a lot of segments that were gonna be campy and and silly, but also you know, lighthearted and would bring back like some good vibes from our childhood. The Bushwhackers thing. I fully remembered, believe it or not, as far as me and Gene eventually becoming like a bushwhacker and, mm-hmm. you know, messing around with those guys. I, I remembered that stuff, but um, yeah, I expected uh, kind of what we got here, but I did expect it to be a little bit more on the segment side and not as much on the matches. And I think that'll come in in some more of these, uh, you know, mm-hmm. VHS home releases that we watch. So overall, I wasn't necessarily disappointed. Like I said, C plus rating, and I'm looking forward to, to the next one. Villains of the Squared Circle. Absolutely.
0: For sure. Follow us along. Um, Hopefully you guys enjoy it as much as we enjoy bringing it to you because this is really where our heart is as wrestling fans. It's in the old school. Be sure to check out Villains of the Squared Circle. This has been Coliseum Classics presented by No Sold, a wrestling podcast. Be sure to follow us on all the social medias. John, what's our Instagram?
1: It's at No Sold underscore podcast
0: so we're on facebook if you're still in the wastelands of facebook we got a TikTok up and running we're on the, we're on the
2: myspace we're on uh on wolf mike i know you're a big fan of wolf uh well yeah. i love wolf Woof and uh yep. what was the wwe thing
1: um oh you uh, can Switch? make something up huh no, no that, uh, twitch was... that twitch is
2: real Twitch oh. is real
1: it sounded like that had a Um, yeah remember
2: they had it back in 2012 it lasted about six man just like that yeah Yeah. you snapped a finger it's
1: already gone ryan
2: howard
0: uh ryan howard's wolf that he stole from kelly kapoor anyway yeah check us out next time be sure to follow us along and check out that villains of the squared circle i'm duke from my boy john Zern, everybody stay safe we'll see you next time